Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. Remember that you can always email me your questions, uh, uh, Lori at drlori.com, or you can do it through the iHeartRadio app as well. Uh, I'm keen in engaging in casual sex in my adult life, says this uh, emailer. How can I be clear with my intentions with my partner that I'm not ready for a serious relationship and I don't want one? Also, I'm in need of playful ways to ask for consent. Would you help? Uh, I like that. Playful ways to ask for consent. I like that you're thinking about consent as well. Uh, The best approach to me is to be honest and direct. No need to start giving all the reasons you are feeling negative about serious relationships, but focus on the reasons that maybe a a serious relationship is not what you are looking for right now. Maybe because you're focused on your education, maybe you're building a business, uh, maybe you want to check out your options before you're settling down. I mean, there's some good reasons not to commit to anybody, especially if you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, etc. And maybe a serious relationship would be uh, would be distracting to you at the time. So um, that's okay. You're perfectly entitled to not want a serious relationship. However, you need to be honest about your intentions. Like never promise to be monogamous if you don't plan to. Don't make somebody else believe that they're in a relationship when you don't believe you're in a relationship. Don't promise to be there uh, long term if you have no intentions of being there long-term. Don't promise a commitment if you're not offering any. Like, Don't do any of these things just to get you sex, for example. That's just not uh, honorable. And also, don't make the other person think that, although they may still think that of their own, but to make them feel or or suggest that you might change your mind in the future about that particular uh, partner, especially if you know in your own head and you believe that there's no chance that you'll uh, end up together in a serious relationship with that partner. So uh, keep it uh, ethical, keep it honest, keep it honorable. And I think that's important when you're having uh, casual sex. I think that you need to be able to uh, enter into something where the other person knows exactly what the parameters of this are. Uh, so ways to ask, playful ways to ask for consent. And a lot, often people are saying, well, what do I have to do? Write a contract? Like, you know, fill out a contract before we go anywhere. No, you don't have to do that. But you could, uh, you could maybe, uh, role play. You, uh, we also have to keep in mind that, that consent is an ongoing process. So even though you may obtain consent for kissing and the person kisses you back and and all that, going forward into more foreplay, into getting it more hot and heavy, let's say, you still need to uh, obtain consent. So you can ask simple things like, you okay? Does this feel good? Would you like more of the same? Uh, Is there something you would like to try next? Or are you ready for blank, whatever it is? So those are some of the things you can do. And I really, I do applaud you for uh, wanting to find the fun ways of, of addressing consent. And I think that your partner's will appreciate it. And you let me know listening, like what do you, would you appreciate it if somebody 
was asking you along the way, are you okay? Is this good? Uh, you know, does this, does this feel good? You want more, more of this, for example, would you appreciate it? I know that I would appreciate it. I even would appreciate somebody who says to me, uh, I'd love to kiss you right now, for example. Uh, and then that's a way of, of obtaining consent, right? Either you back away, which implies, no, I, I'm not consenting to this, or you move in, which would imply the uh, the consent. But it's one way of getting it, which I think is very respectful and uh, and I think would be appreciated. So I want to hear some of your thoughts. Have you obtain consent in any other way? Would you have any suggestions for that kind of thing? Uh, I'd love to hear from you. 514-800 to text in. Uh, again, you can always call in with your questions. And remember, Metha Linda Hammerschmidt will be in after 1015-514-7900. So prepare those divorce questions, will you? And uh, and have them answered. You get free legal advice. Free. Completely free. She spends time with you. She'll talk to you uh, and steer you in the right direction. Uh, this uh, person writes in, am I gay? I get turned on watching gay porn, but I don't get turned on looking at men in public, only women. Maybe I've just got penis envy, but I've had anal sex with men, me being the bottom, but after they orgasm or I do, the attraction is gone. Um, let me just see, is this female or male? I think it's a male writing, right? Okay. Uh, so first of all, a person's sexuality is, uh, it's fluid. Sometimes it can be a complicated thing because of that fluidity and it can be somewhat confusing. And some people define their sexuality by their behaviors. So who they have sex with and others define it by their attractions and their desires. So who they are sexually attracted to, but coming to terms with your own sexual identity requires self-acceptance. It requires sometimes uh, patience. Uh, you may also choose to not identify as straight or gay or for that matter, any label. Uh, what's important is that you're comfortable with your body and with your choice of, uh, of sexual partners. Now, having said that, the way we view uh, sexual orientation today is that we see it much more on a continuum rather than as simply you're gay or you're straight, which was uh, in the past, this is how we identified people or we boxed people in or labeled people as one or the other or straight down the middle, bisexual, right? The reality is though, that's not how it works anymore. And studies have been done over the years to show us that many of us actually fall somewhere on that spectrum rather than at either end of it. So if we go by this way of looking at orientation, for example, you would not be completely straight nor completely gay. Uh, a person who is on, let's say, the full end of the straight end of the spectrum would only ever have desired a partner for the opposite gender, would only have fallen in love with someone of the opposite gender, and would have only had sex with someone of the opposite gender. That person would be uh, would then be on the complete straight side. And then anything other than that, so sometimes this, sometimes that, some fantasies, uh, some experiences, some behaviors, some attraction, uh, and again, depending on level, et cetera, puts you somewhere else 
on uh, on that spectrum. And uh, just Drew just texted in. Yes, we're live. We are live, alive and well, right here on Passion tonight. Coming up. I hope uh, if you have questions, you will uh, make use of Maître Linda Hammerschmidt. She's here to give you free legal advice. So if you're going through something or thinking of separating or divorcing, you have questions about uh, custody or anything of that nature, then she is here to help. So um, we'll do that, and we'll do that up until 11 p.m. But please get your questions in early. Don't wait to the last, you know, minutes of the show to get them in because then we don't have time and she doesn't have time to fully uh, help you and, and explore that, uh, whatever questions you have. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Tonight on the program, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt is in studio with us. This is our last uh, law and law and passion, passion law (laughs) segment of 2018. I bet you had some people freaking out there they thought it was the last last the lot no no it is not the last last this even had me going we're just starting a whole other year next month so no worries linda's been with us for quite a number of years now offering her services to our faithful listeners so she is here to answer all of your legal questions 514-800 to text in or 514-790-0800 to call in uh, and we'd love to, uh, to to answer those questions for you. After the the last show brought up, somebody brought up something really interesting, and it, maybe we didn't have enough uh, time to go into a little more detail. But annulment versus divorce, like what is it better to get an annulment if you can get an annulment versus a divorce, and how difficult is it to get an annulment? Okay, well, first of all, getting an annulment. Uh, has to be based on the fact of either you got contracted the marriage, shall we say, uh, through an error of fraud precipitated by, normally speaking, the other party, although both parties could make a fraud of the marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, like you hear for people who in the United States marry for a green card. Right. That's, that's not the right reason to get married, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> You can get caught. Well, they check on that. Especially now that they want to kick everybody out. That's right. So, um, and then, of course, there's also fear. Uh, There can be threats. There can be threats, uh, implied threats. There can be overt threats. There can actually be violence. And any person who gets married because of those things Mm. can get an annulment. And uh, what we have here, a term called lesion, which is usually when one party can uh, exploit uh, the uh, over the other person who's contracting in a manner that they're so disproportionate, the power or whatever. It's almost similar to the one where, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, fear, but it's, it's really, you might not be f- afraid of the person uh, that you're, so you're being forced to marry, but... Uh, you have no choice, maybe. Maybe that could be classified as in an arranged marriage mm-hmm, somehow. Mm-hmm. They feel uh, that they're exploited that way. And obviously, uh, the difference is in a, um, you have, from the time that the marriage is is uh, performed, 
and that has to be strictly adhered to pursuant to the conditions of the civil code here. Uh, the officiant has to have the requisite uh, certification and authorization, be it as you would know, since you performed weddings, uh, you have to get your little papers in order. Right, or right. if it's a religious person, they have to be authorized and in good standing in their religious uh, church. Order. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, order to be able to perform the the marriage that has to be published beforehand, 20 days. Uh, all these kind of conditions have to have been met also. Uh, in fact, they're <laughs> just... Checking up on it myself since the last time, even the religious person performing has to be a resident of Quebec mm. and or practice, doing part of the practice uh, to the uh, to the congregation, at least part time in Quebec. I mean, obviously, uh, certain priests and uh, reverends and whatever go on missions to some right. other country. But so long as they have also practiced in the year that they're celebrating the marriage then uh, that's fine. But for, if you can't, even if you get annulled and if you have children in the time frame yes, that you got married, mm-hmm. their rights are never affected by an annulment, just like they're not affected by a divorce. They have the same entitlement to support of both parents uh, as they would if uh, the parents were married and then getting divorced. Uh, and even a uh, person can, in cer- certain circumstances, apply in an action and annulment uh, to have support of some sort. And if the criteria for fraud or fear or lesion is proved, the court can also order damages. Wow. Uh, depending on the level of fraud, for mm-hmm. example, if money was stolen. Many, there are any many different, different scenarios right. can happen. Uh, but from the time that the person knows that there's an impediment, usually you have three years to act. And if you don't act in those three years, unless you've been in a coma is my favorite example, and so were unable to act after mm-hmm. you got married and then you were in a car accident, a coma, and you woke up in year four, you probably still, if you could prove the uh, conditions uh, for an annulment, be able to get one. But if not, you're foreclosed from getting annulled and you would then only have a recourse to a divorce or a separation. Right. This text writes, wouldn't an annulment in the long run be cheaper? No, because people are still allowed to fight over family patrimony in a sense because they were theoretically married. And right. even if the uh, down the line a court rules that there was no valid marriage doesn't mean that you can't partition uh, particularly, and there's a lot of um, accent been is put on whether you're a spouse in, in in good faith or in bad faith. And if you're the good faith spouse, then you have an option to either just take back your stuff if it's annulled, mm-hmm. or ask for the partition of the family patrimony. Uh, and of so course, you still need lawyers to handle all that. Nobody needs lawyers. Well, okay. I, I say that all the time. <laughs> I'm, uh, it might be preferable. <laughs> well, th- that's up to everybody's right. uh, level of confidence and, and uh, uh, in their ability to go to court and do the paperwork and all of that kind of a thing. Right. Uh, but cheaper, no, uh, unless it's really – and, you know, both parties – Theoretically, I guess, can agree, but then one would have to wonder if there's collusion. <laughs> if you're mm-hmm. agreeing to be annulled, you know, let's, let's say you came in here for immigration and the papers all work. Okay, I don't want to be married anymore, but I don't want to get divorced, so let's get annulled. Right. 
I well, I, I have known of a, a couple of people who ended up going with annulments, and mostly it was because they felt they were. Uh, they married somebody who they really didn't know. In other words, they were told well, that's something. Well, an error right. on the person. Except that they're, the person mis, may, misrepresented themselves. Well, that can right? That's the fraud. fraud. Right, exactly. So I think that those were the cases that, uh, that, that I knew of. One question uh, that I have and I've been asked about is uh, legal separation. What is a regular separation or is there such a thing when you just decide to separate or a legal separation and how does that okay, impact well, divorce? Well, first of all, uh, many people do it again for religious reasons because they maybe let's say they're Catholic and they really truly uh, adhere to the religion, but they don't want to be married anymore per se, uh, or at least living with their spouse so they can file for a separation you are still legally married. You can't go off and marry somebody else mm-hmm. or you'd be deemed to be a bigamist. That's another reason. If, For example, back in our uh, nullity mm-hmm. case, if you uh, find out after the fact that your spouse <laughs> already has a spouse, right? Yeah, that's an error that can lead to an annulment. Right. That's okay? easier. Because mm-hmm. it was not a valid, really, marriage anyway. Right. So you're going to have it annulled. So that, that's almost the easiest scenario to right. explain an annulment. Right. Uh, separation usually also uh, was brought in because when people didn't get uh, marriage contracts, Uh, And back in the day uh, when this uh, started, uh, we were here in community of property, which was a very complicated regime that, quite frankly, I'm glad to have seen the back of since 1970. I mean, not that I was practicing Mm -hmm. then, but it, you know, stopped. And now it's partnership of a quest. So if you want to no longer be living with your spouse, but you're still in that regime and you separate, the other person can still be doing something and engaging your responsibility financially right. because of it. And you're with your, which both is of your money. why mm-hmm. you can go to court for a legal separation. Yeah. And as and from that judgment, you are no longer considered to be in partnership of a quests. Uh, and down the road, if you so choose, or if the other party does, you'll get divorced and deal with the rest of the merits of the case then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least you will have uh, <clears throat> mitigated the uh, problems that you could incur if somebody is abusing the, the finances. Which I've heard, uh, unfortunately, and uh, which is maybe why sep- legal separation is important to do that as soon as possible, because you could have a partner that takes off with the money, like whatever, does something with their the money, spends it irresponsibly. Exactly. Or, or, or runs up debts. Runs up debts, is, is exactly, the, that you're both responsible for that's in right. the end. Yeah. A joint credit card, for example, exactly. joint line of credit. So this is really, really important. Metro Linda Hammerschmidt is in studio to answer your legal questions about family law tonight. Uh, this text writes, I thought the marriage had to be non-consummated uh, for annulment. Well, no. that, that may be a reason if, let's say, some you get married, you're assuming you're going to have a good sex life, and the other person says, well, I don't believe in sex or something like that after the fact, but you didn't know that before because you were just dating. I don't know. Uh, in this day and age, that's usually rare, I suppose. But uh, it can happen. Mm-hmm. and uh, It's one reason. That would be a reason, I think, to get an annulment, mm-hmm. but it's certainly not a requisite to have an annulment. Right. That can be. You could be having lots of sex and still want an annulment. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, 514-800, do you have uh, any questions for Metta Linda Hammerschmidt? She is here to answer uh, questions about uh, family law. Uh, coming up, I want to ask about, uh, we kind of touched on it in terms of assets and Okay, incurring uh, debt or spending money when you know you're about to get divorced or separated and then being irresponsible or accruing debt on your partner's credit card. But what about a spouse who hides assets? What What is your recourse in that? And I hear these stories all the time and certainly a fear around that. So we'll get to that. Uh, the following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. In studio tonight, uh, Metro Linda Hammerschmidt joins us for the last, uh, the last. Uh, Sex and the Law or Passion and the Law show of the year. But don't worry, she's back in uh, 2019. Uh, she'll be here in January, I think, if you're not in the sun. No, I'll you're be here. here. All right, very good. Uh, she's here to answer your questions. She offers uh, our listeners free legal advice if, when it comes to divorce and, and custody and all kinds of things like that. So here's something that comes up rather frequently, at least I hear it certainly enough, is... Um, when you suspect that your spouse is hiding assets, and I also get asked the questions of the spouse wanting to hide assets, like saying, ha, should I, you know, should I hide my stuff? Where should I hide it? What do I do? So what do you, what do you say? To, what do we do? Well, firstly, it comes down to not taking my advice that I always give and repeat and repeat and repeat is that if you can't talk about all these things before you decide to live together or get married, that's going to lead to the problems of the mm. hidden assets down the road. And if you don't keep talking about these things and uh, ask questions and get answers. Just because you ask the question and somebody blows you off, it's a bad sign. But don't let the bad sign last 10 more years, 20 right. more years. I find it amazing how some people have no clue about the fi family finances. Oh, Like I where one spouse is, is completely, has no I clue. I see that often and it's not just as maybe some listeners might think women that are right. clueless because men can be as clueless. Usually, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but usually in a, in a relationship, uh, whether uh, overtly or tacitly, uh, roles get assigned. Like, you'll take mm -hmm. care of the finances, I'll right. take care of the, buy the cars, uh, I'll decide where the children go, you'll do the homework, right. whatever. And uh, But if you just let somebody do all the finances and don't check in and uh, what's our portfolio worth now, dear, or where'd you put this money, or uh, uh, my name should be on the account too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or who's our stockbroker, right. and uh, where are the numbers, and, and uh, where do you keep all the invoices for the, the expenses for the house, and how are they being paid, and whatever. Right. I mean, like... If you were living alone, you would deal with these things, presumably. Right. So just why Sometimes you just don't want to deal but, with them. <laughs> yeah, but why abdicate it to right. somebody else and then come back and complain, I don't know what he's doing or she's doing? Well, yeah, but whose fault is that to start with? Because you're allowed that situation 
to fester. And then when things go bad, the person who's been, I don't know, doing whatever with the pocketbook money and everything else, and then there are problems. And trying to find hidden assets can be very difficult and mm-hmm. certainly expensive and sometimes cost more maybe than and no guarantee and, got, yeah. and no guarantee at the end especially if the money's been shipped elsewhere or mm-hmm. whatever and no guarantee at the end that even if you get uh, theoretically a judgment that says you're entitled to x y and z that you'll be able to execute for x y and z if you mm-hmm. can't find the money how often does it happen that people request like an audit of a business for example oh what sorry an audit of a business audit. yeah uh, you mean in a divorce? Yeah, in a divorce. Only like I've unless heard that... you're talking about, you know, significant sums. Mm-hmm. Somebody's running a little business, a family business, be it family business or uh, whatever, is not going to necessarily have an audit. But what people can do, and it's not really an audit, is have their own forensic accountant. Okay, that's what I meant, I think. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it becomes a, a battle of experts and who mm. ultimately a judge. And, you know, again, it can be Costs. tens and tens and thousands of dollars to a point in one case I saw that there was a bill for half a million dollars. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of... Money given to the lawyers. Well, that's the further... Not the lawyers, for the forensic accounting. Oh, just the accounting. That was just the accounting. Yeah, right, so. Wow. Wow. Yeah, obviously, big money involved. Obviously, yes, yes, yes. yes, But but still. You know. Right. Wow. I don't understand why people get to that point from the... I love you. I know. Why can't people just get along? (laughs) I think there's a song. We would love that. Wouldn't it be great if people just had really nice divorce? Like, okay, we're not good together. No, if they have nice, happy marriages and cohabitation. I'm happy to be a dog uh, babysitter. Forever and ever. Or to learn, even at my age, to become a dolphin trainer. Or just swim (laughs) at the friggin' dolphins. I don't care because they're so happy. They smile all the time. All they want to do is play in the water. I mean, what's not it's the love? It's got to be difficult. Do you, how do you stop from getting emotionally involved in, in a lot of these really very, sometimes nasty, heartbreaking cases that you, you can't, deal with? Well, at least I can't get, okay. stop from getting emotionally involved or taking it home. One of my first cases, I cried all the way from St. Hyacinth back to Montreal, wow. uh, you know, as a result of the file. <laughs> Anyway, maybe you're too sensitive for this job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, th- you think 36 years later, I figured that out by You'd now. But right? No, no. there's stuff that yeah. keeps you up at night, or should have, would have, could have, or what can I? Or you know, it's terrible. Right. And you don't have control. It's, it's like the casino. You don't have control over all the moving parts, even right. if you know it, it works out lovely in the movies. So you can have a great, and I think we've said this before, you can have a, a great, great case, case and a lousy, lousy client who, uh, or, not, not in the sense of a lousy client, but they just can't be the good witness that you need. Either they're hostile when they're questioned by the other side, or they're lying and then the judge will pick that up, or they just cry and scream, and I've seen that happen too. Mm-hmm. Not not good. So, and the stress factor. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a lawyer. I get stressed, but this is their lives, so they're right. even more, presumably right. more stressed. Throw kids Ooh. into the mix, and I'm surprised most people actually make it to a courtroom for a divorce as opposed to taking some other option. If there is another option, please, please take that other option. No, not the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> okay, not that one, maybe, but... 
Oh, mediator, please work it out. Work it out, people. Uh, somebody texted in, is there an option for someone who is the executor of an estate to renounce the responsibility when there is debt after the six months has passed? Now, I know this is, I don't know if this fits into the law well, that you first do. First of but... all, you can opt to not take the charge from the get-go, so I don't know why one would wait for after six months. It, I guess when they just, dis- maybe they discover there's a debt, I don't know. Like it, well, well, what, an, executor, an, an executor is not like in cement. You, you're allowed to to say, "I don't want to do this." Yeah, you may, in some cases, depending on the estate, have to petition the court. I don't know if there've been proceedings already because of one of the heirs or the not almost heir is fighting or something like this. But you know. It's not your money, so why give yourself that headache if you can't do it well and get the hell out? There's... But let's say in this case, they've accepted to be the executor. Well, you can accept and then unaccept. You're not. You're not bound to stay married. And you're not bound to be stay an executor. So you can pass that on. But what do you know? What happens to? Well, depending on how the will is set up, because sometimes people name one, two, three people to be the executor, mm-hmm. and if let's say there's three and one uh, resigns, the other two will proceed, and then there may be a clause in the will that says, in the event that one of my liquidators can no longer perform the duty, they could die for for your matter. Then the other two can appoint a third, or they can carry on by themselves, or whatever. But I think the question is, and I've heard this about if let's say somebody dies and they leave behind an estate, but in that estate, there's more debt than there is anything else. And I heard that if you, if you accept the money, if you accept, well, first of all, if there's more debt, there is no money. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so you're not bound to, even if you're named in the estate, okay, it's. My estate and its uh, negative value, but I've left you everything. You're allowed to renounce to receiving the debt. So that's what this person wants to know. Can you renounce? At, apparently, there's a six month waiting period or six month. This is what this is asking. When there is debt after the six months has passed, is there a time frame for the ex- after? Ex- this is yeah. not an, a liquidator we're talking about. No, then. this an, is an heir. Maybe. I guess maybe maybe yeah. Let's take it from the heir position. Would you know? In the air tonight? That's a Phil Collins song. Uh, <laughs> sure, change the subject. Yeah, All right. yeah. I, I'm not I'm not. <laughs> you, this is not your this, area. area right. But I can talk about it next month. Yep, next month we'll look it up. Uh, so uh, Texture wants to know, isn't there something called benefit of in- inventory that can be stipulated before accepting to be executor? Well, yes, but again, depends on the size of the estate. But uh, whoever the exec, sorry, before accepting to be the executor, Benef- is there isn't there something called benefit of inventory that can be stipulated before accepting to be executor? What looking at what's there and then be deciding? Yeah, I guess, but that would be a cursory look because you wouldn't have the powers to do an in-depth evaluation or inventory if you don't accept the job, you know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. So it can be like Joe Q. Public walks in and says, uh, how much is this going on? So, you know, hmm. depends on how close you are to the family, how fast you're going to know that kind of information. Right. 
your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Metro Linda Hammerschmidt is here to answer your questions. We still have a few minutes left, so get them in. Uh, question. What should I bring to my first consultation with a divorce lawyer? How do I prepare? Well, first of all, uh, make an inventory of all your assets. And when I say your, I mean the family assets. Uh, and uh, the up-to-date uh, numbers, for example, for taxes and uh you don't have to have every item that you're spending right there because um, I'm going to give you a budget to work on to fill out so you can do that homework for the next time. Uh, you should write down the important questions that you have uh, and you mm-hmm. want to ask so that you don't forget to ask anything. And there's good websites actually that have a lot of uh, questions to ask a lawyer so that you prepare well so you're not wasting the the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also bring somebody that you trust with you because sometimes uh, because you're emotional in that situation, you may hear answers but not process them. And the other person might be able to help you after the fact, no, the person said this or the person said that. And uh, the debts, you also should bring the current values of things like mortgage, lines of credit, credit cards, uh, car leases, et cetera, like that. What if your partner won't give you, for example, their tax returns? Well, you don't have to have that the first time around. I mean, but if you're, uh, at least normally speaking, if you're filing a tax return too, and one would assume you are, on the first page of your own tax return is at least the revenue. That's true. uh, Declared, anyway. Mm -hmm. Declared revenue of your spouse from their tax return. Right. So that's supposed to be there. And if it's not, you better make sure it is so that at least you have that. But uh, again, I repeat and I repeat, why are you people hiding these things from each other? If you're going to again, if some... you're going to take your clothes off in the same room, <laughs> friggin share the tax returns and all that other paperwork. But I I've worked with clients who. Uh, they were really good about it. Like they were like, "Okay, I'm not going to see the lawyer until I find every okay, but- and make copies of every bit of paper." Like they really are diligent about going through. And sometimes they have to do it, unfortunately, sneakily because their no. partner hides some of these the paperwork. And then right? they shouldn't leave it in the trunk of the car. Okay. Because I've known people who have done this work and then, you know, the other one finds out and takes it. So if oh. you're going to make those photocopies, then get the hell, get them the hell out of the house. All right. Put them somewhere else. 514-800 if you have any questions. I'm not sure if this is one that you can answer. It's not, I believe it's not family law. I declared bankruptcy against an older brother regarding a superior court lawsuit. He is contesting my release as he is convinced I'm hiding money. But it's in his mind and not reality. It's my first bankruptcy. Uh, A hitman is not an option, LOL. What are my chances I will not be released by a superior court judge? I did everything by the book with the bankruptcy company. Well, first of all, the bankruptcy, the trustee should be able to advise you on this particular issue. Secondly, the uh, the brother that's contesting certainly can't just come and say, I contest, has to ha- have a right. proof, right. has to have some, he has the burden of proof to uh, uh, for, uh, foreclose the, the uh, trustee from uh, liberating mm-hmm. the bankrupt. 
And uh, so unless you know that this person, your sibling, has found something that you didn't tell your trustee about, then you, you should be okay. You just unfortunately have to wait a little bit longer for it's gonna, because it's being contested. It's not going to be automatic. Okay. Uh, my spouse does not care about rules. What can we do when he refuses to turn documents over? I'm assuming this is inside of a divorce yeah, as opposed to maybe being the told, Right, being told, like, you must, you know, these are the, the documents we'd like you to hand over. I guess the lawyer would, would ask yeah. for these things, and he and the person refuses. Well, then you go to a courtroom and you get a court order for them to do it in a certain time delay and failing which they'll be in contempt of court if you want to go that route or what happens when I would in... prefer because I never like contempt of court mm -hmm. because it's a waste of time it, it's fees you're paying your lawyer and to, to, to get a ruling that gets you nothing mm -hmm. you don't get any money from it a judge just, if a judge rules that the person is contempt of court all they can do is send them off to the pokey. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Or a fine. It's not going to you. It's right. going to, you know, right. ch charity of the little queen of angels. Uh, right. Um, uh, gnomes. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Anyway, so uh, I would ask in a in a proceeding to get the documents and you have to list what it is you want and the times and attach some sort of proof of why the person has been refusing. Like, you know, you've made all these requests and they haven't come through mm -hmm. and ask for uh, damages and a provision for costs. So you would ha you would ask for damages, which the the judge would then rule yeah, costs for so pay for your lawyer okay. and and well, also for maybe damages i mean throw everything in it's like soup vegetable soup you throw it all in the pot because i have seen some... situations where even with a court order whatever they just don't they're oh, not they're not afraid some... of contempt they're not afraid of any of that stuff yeah some people aren't and sometimes you're just not gonna get it hmm if somebody's so determined, I mean, there are people who murder people. So it's obviously yeah, well. not a deterrent for them that the law says you shouldn't murder somebody. <laughs> so who, who cares about paperwork if that's the mindset of your spouse? One last but why did you marry him in the first place? One last question, if you can answer it quickly. How do I keep my spouse from liquidating our assets while the divorce is pending? Well, depending on your matrimonial regime or if you can show that the person has been doing this, you get a, a seizure uh, of the assets so that they can't. Okay, they do that right off the bat? It's well, something... You can do it off the bat, but I mean, it's rather hostile. So uh, unless you know that this is what your spouse is going to do, but if you know down the road in the middle of the proceedings that your spouse is liquidating assets and, and you're not going to be able to find them afterwards or mm -hmm. going to spend them, unless you have a lot of residences that are bricks that can't be right, sold. Right. And even if they sell, uh, I don't know, let's say they sell $50,000 worth of paintings and you don't know where the money went but you got a house that's worth five hundred thousand dollars to which that person is entitled to half that fifty thousand can come off of his half right because, but that's easier to prove well first of all it's easier to accomplish but a seizure can be and should be if the person is seriously liquidating and dilapidating assets and uh, bank accounts portfolios mm -hmm. 
sees it all. Especially when it gets mean, like in, in situations. And, and in where... some cases, what I've done, <clears throat> but you have to really uh, time it properly, is uh, seize the proceeds. Let's say a house is sold during the proceedings. And normally speaking, maybe you get half-half. Mm-hmm. But if you let the, uh, the other half have their half, <laughs> then you may never see that money to execute your other claims. I, I go in after at the closing once the, the notary has the signed couple's paper and I seize the entire proceeds at, at the notary. Mm-hmm. Can lead to a battle of you can't do it or whatever. And ultimately, a judge will decide if the money should stay in trust pending what's happening with the final divorce. Linda, every time I speak to you, I can only say freaking nasty business. Yeah. You're in. Yeah. Yeah. It is for so many reasons. So I'd rather be in mine where I just uh, help too. fix couples. Me too. <laughs> and save their marriages. Much prefer this position, I got to tell you. Linda, thank you so much. Uh, happy uh, happy, happy new, new Year. And uh, we'll see you in, uh, in 2019. Yeah, mm-hmm. end of January. Linda Hammerschmidt, she can be reached at uh, what number? 514 514- Eight four six ten thirteen, and thank you again for uh, for giving us all of this free advice. Very much appreciated. Thanks to Chris Aikens as well, our technical producer tonight. Thanks to all of you for tuning in and for all of your questions. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion.